Luke chapter 15, the Bible says in verse 1. How many of you are excited to be in church, first of all? Amen. Bible says in verse 1, it says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. What is it with religious people that just love to complain? I don't know. It's those fresh converts that ruffle the religious feathers. You know what I'm saying? It was the relig religious people that complained, saying, This man receives sinners. Somebody say, He receives sinners. Not rejects sinners. He receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, everybody say one, say just one. If he loses just one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost. And it says, until he finds it. Watch this. It says, and when, everybody say when, and when he has found it, not if, but when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over just one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I want to preach in your hearing this morning. He is coming for you. You need to turn to your neighbor and look them in the eyeballs and tell them. In fact, put your finger on their shoulder and say, He is coming for you. He's coming for you. Turn to another neighbor and say, He's coming for you. And before you leave this service, you better go after Him. Amen. Let's pray for just a second. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We're here for you. And we know that you are gracious. We know that you are full of mercy, abundant in grace. And so we come to you, Lord, expecting miracles, signs, and wonders. Speak your word. Manifest your glory. That before we leave this service, we shall all know and be changed by the touch of the master's hand and the power of the name of Jesus. If anybody has a little bit of expectation or a little bit of faith, would you clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto the Lord with a voice of victory, a voice of triumph. We are more than conquerors. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I like this church. You do what I say. My God. Somebody bring me $50. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding, Pastor. Joking. I won't get invited back. Amen. I was 16 years old, 29 now. I know I look like I'm 17 years old, 29 and a half, hanging on to that half. 29. I was 16 years old. I'd played baseball my whole life, and I had some scholarship opportunities at different colleges around the nation. And, and it was my first college tryout of the summer, the first week of summer. 
I was at LSU, Louisiana State University. Don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Don't want to get into that. No, I probably got some bulldogs in the house. Amen. Got one bulldog, I guess. I'm in the wrong place. Wow. Amen. I was at LSU, and I was fielding ground balls at shortstop, firing them over to first base, and had scouts behind home plate radaring me and trying to see how fast I could throw and run and hit and all that stuff. And the coach screamed out. He said, just one more, and he hits me the ground ball, and I feel that ground ball, and I rear back to throw the baseball across the diamond, and right here, snap, my arm broke. And the ball dribbled about 10 feet, didn't make it to the pitcher's mound, and I never heard back from LSU. I never received that scholarship. I never went on to play at Louisiana State University. My arm broke, I mean, just about in half. It was a terrible situation. God just knows how to break you, doesn't he? <laughs> I'm going to leave you with that story to tell you a little bit of scripture. I'll pick up. Don't worry, I won't leave you hanging with that story. But the Bible says, and in fact, if I can say it like this, this was red letter edition. This wasn't just any scripture in the Bible, but yet it was the infallible words of Jesus Christ himself. All scripture was given by inspiration and is breathed by God. But there's just something about it when it's in red, you know, and you know that Jesus spoke these words out of his own mouth. There's just something that causes me to pay even more attention to it. When he comes, the Bible says that he was there and here comes the tax collectors and here comes the sinners. Here comes the Pharisees and the scribes and the Bible says that they drew near to him they drew near to him i i think that the saints at least should do what the sinners do the sinners drew near to him and what's amazing to me to understand in this text is that jesus drew and attracted every facet every demographic every race color and culture to his presence he didn't just draw the tithe payers or the Bible quizzers or the elite of church, the elite of the synagogue. No, he drew the people who were untouchable. He drew the leprous. He drew the blind. He drew the prostitutes. He even drew dead men to him. And he drew people who were full of legions of demons to his presence. The Bible says that tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. There was something about the presence of Jesus that when he spoke, he released that omnipotence that was locked up in his spirit, that in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And to release that fullness, all he had to do was show up and speak. He showed up to a synagogue in Luke chapter 6 and scholars say there were probably several hundred, even possibly a, a thousand people in attendance that day in the synagogue on the Sabbath day when Jesus stood in the pulpit. He probably had a polished masterpiece of a sermon that could have been preached at any conference, any general conference. But yet Jesus did not preach his sermon. According to scripture, the Bible says Jesus read the thoughts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were wondering if he was going to heal on the Sabbath day. But the Bible says that Jesus knew their thoughts and he asked them only one question. Is it good to do evil or to save life? To save life or is it good or evil to save life or destroy it on the Sabbath day? 
He didn't give him a chance to answer. He just said, I'll show you the answer. I am the creator of the Sabbath day. I am the owner of the Sabbath day. And I can do whatever I want to, whenever I want to, however I want to, with whomever I want to do it with. He got off his notes and said, well, there's a man here, one single man with a withered hand. He went after the one man. He didn't go after the offering. He didn't go after the multitude. He didn't preach for a tithe. He didn't preach for popularity. He didn't preach to get more followers. He preached to heal a single need. He put aside the hundred, put aside the multitude, and looked at one man who was withered in his hand and said I am coming for you there's just something about the name of Jesus the presence of Jesus the voice of Jesus that when Jesus spoke he didn't need a microphone he didn't need monitors he didn't need a flyer a business card he didn't need a Twitter a Facebook an Instagram when he spoke demons submitted to him when he spoke the storm ceased when he spoke dead people got out of the grave when he spoke well I wish I was preaching to somebody that knows about the power of the voice of God knows I'm getting excited already the Bible says the grass will wither and the flower will fade but the word of God shall stand forever how many of you know there is power in the word of God Man, I'm only on verse one. He said, I got two hours in the afternoon service. <laughs> Had to rush that morning group. We, we all right. We're comfortable. Sit here a few hours. <laughs> Glad you're laughing. Bible says that the Pharisees and the, the scribes, they complained. They said, who is this man? who receives sinners see they had become so anointed so high minded they had become so worthy so deserving of a high pedestal they had, they had become so, so sanctified in their ways that they ridiculed a man for receiving sinners which means they had an occupation of rejecting sinners which means they had a tradition of looking you up and down before you came into the sanctuary. It was in Acts chapter 3 when the lame man who sat at the gate called Beautiful had never walked into the sanctuary because they had an occupation of rejecting anybody who did not look like them. But Peter stood up and said, silver and gold, have I none such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And once you walk, why don't you come into church? That's where you belong. You don't belong on the streets. You belong. Some of you used to be on the streets. Some of you used to be on the corner. Some of you used to be in rehab. But somehow, God pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light and said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. I am coming for you. Bible goes on and it says he had to speak to them in parables. They weren't smart enough to understand his ways. So he dumbed himself down so they could understand 
he kind of just said, let me break it down for you, children. He said, let me tell you. He said, how many of you, I know you got sheep. I know you got mules and donkeys and all them goats. He said, how many of you who might have a hundred sheep, if one of them ran off, you would be smart enough to run after the lost sheep? He said, but you're putting animals over humanity? Kind of sounds like the day we're living in. Save the whales, abort the babies. Whew, never mind. He says, you'd go after an animal if it was lost. He says, in my kingdom, if there's just one person that's lost. He said, I don't stop searching. I don't stop fighting. I don't stop intervening. He said, and you shouldn't either. You shouldn't stop praying. You might have 800 on Sunday. You might have 500 on Wednesday. But if there is one sinner left in Atlanta, if there is one drug addict left in rehab, you ought to be on your knees. You Oh, God, I feel like preaching. See, Jesus said, I don't give up. I go after the one that's lost. He said, see, he gave us revelation of one sinner. He said, one sinner has the power to get the attention of the king of kings. And one repentant sinner has the power to get the attention of all of heaven. He said, I just want y'all to know something. He said, you think you throw a good party down here? You think you throw a good celebration down here? He said, you've never seen a party like the party I throw in my house, in my kingdom. When one of you come to an altar and just say, Jesus. See, y'all didn't know Jesus threw a party. Y'all didn't know God rejoiced. Y'all didn't know God ran the aisles in heaven. Y'all didn't know God knew how to dance and shout. But the Bible says that all of heaven, who is heaven? That's God. All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. He goes on and he says... He spoke to them, if you lose it, even if you had 99 left, you would go after the one. See, Jesus isn't like my little nephew who I told one time. I said, hey, buddy, I said, if you help me out with this, uh, kind of clean this car up here, I'll give you 10 bucks. He said, why do I need $10 when I got 20 last week for my, for my birthday? <laughs> little 9, 10-year-old boy, that's his logic. Why would I want 10 when I've already got 20? Jesus don't work like that. He said, even if I had 99 and one of you left, he said, I'm not going through business as usual. I'm not going through the program like nothing's happened. I'm not just going to go through the schedule. He said, I will stop everything. I will stop heaven and earth. I'll stop the stars and the solar system. I'll do whatever I have to do to get to you because I am going after the lost. He says, watch this, in verse 3, or verse 4, excuse me. He says, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one. Watch this. He says, which is lost. Later, he says, which was lost. He says, I will go after the one which is lost until. Everybody say until. 
See, that's the power of God's perseverance. That's the power of God's tenacity. He says, I'm not going to give up after a day or two. How many of you have been praying? Raise your hand. If you've been praying for someone that's lost or backslidden, a family member, a spouse, a child. Or we got parents today. You've been praying for your child. And maybe it's been 10 years, 15, 20, even 40 years. And they hadn't stepped foot back in this church yet. And you've thought about throwing in the towel and saying, it's just too late. Jesus said I don't give up until I have found him he says and when he has found it he lays him on his shoulders rejoicing I've come to let some of you know that it's not too late for your family I am fifth, possibly sixth generation apostolic Pentecostal. And I am thankful, so very grateful for my heritage. I am so thankful that I have family members who have gone before me and paved the way for the road that I travel on today. I'm so blessed because I have a daddy and a grandfather and great and great, great grandfather who were in the ministry. I was born into the apostolic Pentecostal truth. I was born into this organization, the United Pentecostal Church under my grandfather's pastoral leadership he was pastoring in Austin Texas one of the biggest churches at that time in central Texas and he was pastoring in South Austin of a United Pentecostal Church and when I was two years old my grandfather he went through a trial and went through some things that caused him to grow bitter and resentful that caused him to divide and separate from the plan and the will and the word of God Many times, many people, in fact, you, everybody probably in here, if it's not yourself, which we all have sinned and come short of his glory, but you can think of somebody who was walking on that narrow and straight path, uh, who something happened to them, maybe somebody hurt them, somebody uh, embarrassed them, or something unfair happened to them, and they were walking on that narrow path and just sort of stepped off, and that first step wasn't so great, I mean, it's just right here, just a half step, I mean, I can get back tomorrow morning and pray, it's just right there but they continue on that new path that new trajectory and they look up in six weeks and six months and six years later and they think my God how did the altar get so far from me why did God move so far from me what has happened I can't feel the spirit anymore I don't feel conviction when pastor preaches anymore it's not that God has left you it's that you've walked down a new path of trajectory that has left you so separated from the presence of God But I want somebody to know that there is no separation too big that one prayer of repentance cannot obliterate. I thought I might get more on that one. I, I, I need to say it in English this time. I'm sorry. See, it don't matter how far you are from the altar or from God's presence. It don't matter if this is your first service in the last 55 years. And you've done every drug known in the book. You've done every alcohol. You've done every sin in the book. It doesn't matter. Watch how far you are from God right now. When you get on your face and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. He pulls you back in. Oh. And when you open your eyes, you are at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the throne. It does not matter how far you are. When you say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
That's why David wrote in Psalm 86, 5, he said, God is ready to forgive. We interpret it reluctant to forgive. And he goes on and says, and he is abundant in mercy to all who call on his name. David didn't even know what he was getting involved with. He was prophesying that it's not just going to be the Jews. It's not just going to be the high priest. It's not just going to be the choir singer. It's not just going to be the pastor. But everybody, everybody, Jesus said, for everyone that asks shall receive. Jesus' name. My grandfather, he led us down a new path, a new trajectory, and it didn't take long that if you were to take a Polaroid picture from day one to day whatever, five years later, you could see with a tangible eye on a picture how far we had moved away from God. Now, let me just help somebody for a second. I'm going somewhere with this. See, we had a lot of stuff that you guys have. I was born into this truth, but I was not raised in this truth. We had a lot of the truth, but did not have the truth. We had speaking in tongues. We had the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We had Acts 2.38. We had baptism in Jesus' name. We had your singing. We sang the same, sang the same songs. We had aisle runners. We had people dancing their hair down. I mean, we had all that stuff. We had all the tangible stuff of experiencing the illustration or the power of God, but not having intimacy or personal relationship with God. And the delusion, I got to hurry, the delusion of this is that you can get so enamored with the power and the presence, get so enamored with the gifts and demonstration of God that you allow the demonstration to justify your relationship. That if I just was healed, I must be right. Oh, God. Hold on a second. Watch this. His love is unconditional. Watch. His salvation is very conditional. Y'all missed it. Man, feels like Wednesday night Bible study in here. His love is unconditional. And the Bible says faith worketh by love. You don't have to be right with God to get healed. You don't have to be right with God to speak in tongues. His love gives you that. Because love is unconditional. You can't do anything to get out of the love of God. But the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Although his love is very unconditional, his salvation, his grace and mercy is very much conditional. For if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will heal their land. The delusion is, I told this earlier, is that my wife, you know, she bought me a nice gift. She bought me some Nike tennis shoes and one time for my birthday. And I walk in these gifts all the time. Nike tennis shoes. Makes me feel like I could run faster or jump higher. And then I realized, no, I ain't going to do that at all. Just a little comfortable walking through the airport is all. 
got the Nike tennis shoes and I say well man this is a nice gift I walk in I walk in these gifts every day but just because I walk in the gifts does not mean I can show up to Phil Knight's house the owner of Nike and knock on his door and say hey buddy what's for supper he punched me in the face and do what Jesus did depart from me before I call the police and then I'd get my feelings hurt and I'd say but I walk in your gifts Did not Jesus say that in the last days someone come to him saying, but Lord, didn't we heal in your name and preach in your name and sing in your name and speak in tongues in your name? I walk in your gifts. And Jesus would say, depart from me, you workers of. What is iniquity? It's the inward manifestation of sin. Transgression is the outward manifestation of sin. He said, I'm not talking to those who got it together on the outside. He said, I will look at those who don't have the right heart, the right spirit, and say, I do not, I do not know you. You danced and you sang and you shouted and everything that man's eye could see. You had it from A to Z. But on the inside, you were bitter. And oh. All right, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's time to preach now. See, Jesus said, I don't care if you got it together on the outside. If you got unforgiveness on the inside. You got rebellion on the inside. He said, I don't know you. You are none of mine. You're not my child. You may enjoy my power. You may enjoy my gifts. But, 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 I do not know you. This was me. I was raised in the delusion. And I didn't know about you crazy people until I broke my arm. Until I broke my arm at a tryout at LSU and I come home with tears and upset and frustrated and a cast for eight months. My whole summer and future was just destroyed. And I'm sitting with my daddy, who is now the pastor of this church that had compromised and gone independent. And there's nothing sanctified just about an organization. I'm not trying to say that. UPC is not the only people going to heaven. I'm not saying that. But see, we got into that spirit that said, oh, I love the touch. Oh, I love the shout, but I don't know the walk. See, uh, God, I got to get through this. See, Jericho walked for seven days, and they shouted once. God is more impressed with a daily walk than he is with a weekly shout. I'm sorry, Pat. They don't know me yet. They think I'm mean. So I'm just going to tell it like it is. Oh, Lord. Here I am. I come home, and my dad starts telling me stories about you crazy people. Telling me how long y'all's hair is and how y'all do this and y'all do that different. He had bitterness in his heart, but he started telling stories. He said, Man, whoo! I remember old Jeff Arnold and old Lee Stone King, man, preaching. Whoa, best preaching I ever heard in my life. 
He said, man, I remember these preachers. He said, we'd have 12-week revivals without a night off, and nobody would miss because they knew they would miss something from God. He said, people would have to drive them home. They'd leave crutches at the altar. He said, wheelchairs would be emptied. He said, the best preaching I've ever heard in my life is one of them Pentecostal camp meetings. He said, the best singing I've ever heard was at one of those Pentecostal camp meetings. And you know, just to cheer me up, I think, but he was telling the truth, a 16-year-old boy, he said, the cutest girls I've ever seen we're at one of them Pentecostal youth camps every man ought to be shouting and every woman ought to say yeah that's right we are I'm shy here I am with the cast and I said well daddy I need to go get me a word from God or go meet a girl he says, uh, I'm going to look it up. He said, hold on a second. Here's a pastor who's so bitter at you people. He has nothing good to say about y'all. He has nothing positive to say about y'all. But when his son is a little bit broken, he says, I'm going to send him to y'all. Don't know how that worked. But he looked it up and found there was a Pentecostal, United Pentecostal camp meeting in Lufkin, Texas at the Texas campgrounds. The camp meeting that summer. He said, boy, I grew up there, man. I stole golf carts there at youth camp, man. I had a good old time there. He said, you take your best friend David and you boys go down to Lufkin and I'll pay for the hotel. You just have a good old time. So we got all our cologne and deodorant and best suit and tie. And, and I got, man, we were, we were late on that first service because we went to the gas station to make sure every hair was in place. I remember trying to impress him. I did. I impressed one. That was a few years later. And I remember pulling into the parking lot. And church had already begun. And it was like the walls were shaking. There were several thousand of you crazy people in that auditorium. And I remember walking through the back door of that sanctuary at 16 years old. And I met y'all for the first time in my life. And I walked down that center aisle. And all of, a su- all of a sudden, something got a hold of me. And I couldn't even make it to a pew without my knees started shaking. And I started crying. And I got down on the floor in front of everybody. Didn't care. I got on my face and said Jesus what is this I had the Holy Ghost like you had I'd been baptized like you were I knew what singing and dancing was all about but there was something about you that eyes could not see ears could not hear there was something about you that only my heart and my soul could feel Holiness is the mindset that says, God, I don't care who doesn't do it. I'm doing it. Holiness says, God, I don't care who's going that way. I'm going this way. Holiness says, I don't care how foolish it may sound. I'm going to submit my life wholeheartedly to you. Holiness is the spirit that says, I will do whatever it takes to be in communion with God. And I walked into that atmosphere at 16 and I said, what is this, God? And God spoke back to me at 16 years old. I can still hear the sound of his voice speaking to me. He said these words. He said, I used to show up like this at your church. 
He said, but recently you've become more conformed to this world and less transformed by my word. He said, therefore, you have pushed my presence outside of the church. And now I stand at the door and I knock. He said, if any man would hear my voice and open the door, I would come in. I would come after you like this. I would come after you like this. I would let you feel this presence in your church again. 16 years old, I ran out of that tabernacle, got on the phone and called my dad. I said, Dad, you won't believe what's just happened. What God has just spoken to me. I've got to tell you what he said. And I told my dad, the pastor of this church, I told him every word, everything God said. And he was shaken. He was speechless. He said, I have to call you back. And he hung up. He yelled at my mom. He said, Pamela, you've got to get in here. Something has happened to our son. She came running in frantic, afraid. Something bad it happened she said what happened he said our son has just found what our church has lost he said our son has just found what our church has lost long story medium my parents came to that camp meeting and God restored two compromisers who were so far from truth. He restored them to the point that now today, my dad is an apostolic Pentecostal preacher in a church in North Austin and a preaching point in South Austin. I've come to tell somebody that Jesus is coming for you. He's coming for your family. He's coming for your... I said he's coming for your children. He's coming for your loved ones. He's coming for your marriage. He's coming for your worship. He's coming for your praise. He's coming, coming, coming. He is coming after you. Ah. I don't share this much publicly, but I felt too in the Holy Ghost. My grandfather who left the United Pentecostal Church, he inevitably, because of bitterness, he, he, he rebelled and he left and he compromised his walk with God and he compromised his marriage. He left his marriage. He left his wife. He left his children and grandkids. And he moved five hours away to East Texas where he moved in an apartment, started dipping tobacco and drinking alcohol. He was a church planter he was a pastor he was over the board at texas bible college my grandfather he went through such a devil's hell called bitterness that it caused him to leave the truth he started having strokes and he was dying and on his deathbed god went after him On his deathbed, Jesus said, I'm coming for you. Jesus walked into his room and there he lay dying on the bed. Nobody around him all alone. And he said, Homer, if I let you die tonight, this is where you will spend all of eternity. He said he looked over his left shoulder and there he saw his soul in a lake of fire. And Jesus spoke to him again and said, tonight is your last chance. 
If you will repent, I will restore you and heal you. Repent now or perish. My grandfather rolled off the bed onto his face. And there he knelt before God. He was so far away from God until he knelt. Until he got on his face. And he cried out and said, Jesus, Jesus. I'm sorry I've lost my way. I've compromised. I've backslidden, Lord. But God, whatever it takes, don't let me go to hell. I don't know how long he prayed that prayer, but it wasn't long before God reached his hand of grace and mercy and restored my grandfather with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then healed his body completely whole. God spoke to my grandfather and he said, now, he said, get in your truck and drive home and repent to your wife and your family. He got in his truck and he drove home where he got on his face before his wife, my grandmother, and said, you must forgive me. I compromised. I lost my way. I I walked away from the truth. But God came for me. But God came for me. It was two years later that God gave my grandfather a two-year extension on life. My grandfather found himself back in the hospice center dying again. But this time, with joy in his heart, salvation in his soul, he was doing Bible studies. He was doing Bible studies in the hospice center. He was baptizing people in their bathtubs in the name of Jesus in the hospice center. Don't tell me it's too late for your husband. Don't tell. That is a lie from the devil's hell. My grandfather was so lost. Nobody could find him. But Jesus said, I'm not going to stop until I find him. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was in California the night my grandfather died. I was preaching. He called me late one night on his hospice bed. He was so weak I could barely hear him. He whispered my name and he said, Christopher, I've got to tell you what the Lord has just told me. He said, I'm dying. But God said, before you die, tell your grandson these words. He called me and he said, I'm so proud of you that you've joined the Pentecostal faith. It's the truth. It's the only way. He said, I'm so proud that you're a minister. He said, God told me to tell you that in this ministry, that in this walk with God, that things will happen that are unfair to you, that people might stab you in the back, that leaders that you trust in might walk away. But God told me to tell you, never compromise. His last words he spoke was, always keep the faith. He died at 4 a.m. that morning. I flew home and I watched my grandmother lay over his dead body in a casket, crying tears of joy, singing the old song. If it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been for Jesus, if it had not been for his grace, if... 
I wonder if there's somebody in this house that knows what I'm talking about, that knows that you were dead in sin, but while you were a sinner, Jesus Christ died for you. There ought to be a shout. There ought to be a praise. There ought to be a dance. There ought to be somebody who just wants to let it out because God brought you out. God brought you out. He's coming for you. You don't need your eyes on me right now. Somebody needs to lift your eyes unto the hills for your help comes from the Lord. The Bible says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me because he is coming. He's coming. He's coming for me. Come on, lift them up. Lift them up. There's somebody who's praying. There's somebody who's travailing. Somebody who's interceding. Just lift them up for a moment. I just feel a word in the Holy Ghost. I want everybody to hear me right now. There is somebody, and I believe there's a majority here right now. There's not just one or two. Imagine the party God will throw if we all came to an altar. But listen to me. This is what I just feel as I step back in the Holy Ghost. This is what the Lord would have me say to you right now. If you were to close your eyes and lift up your imagination for just a moment, God would show you the one thing. The one thing. Yes, there may be a multitude of problems and struggles and sins and failures but God is saying to somebody just give me the one thing just give me the one thing because if you give me the one thing I'll take care of the rest there's somebody I think we should close our eyes right now there's somebody that the Holy Ghost is speaking a word to he's speaking to you saying what's the one thing come on what's the one thing is it pornography is it addiction is it stress anxiety or fear is it drugs or alcohol come on what's the one thing is it anxiety is it is it depression is it doubt discouragement insecurity inferiority intimidation what's the one thing right now God is pointing to you saying I'm coming for you baby I'm coming for that withered hand I'm, I'm coming for that withered marriage I'm coming for that withered job I'm coming for that withered relationship I'm coming for that withered situation I'm coming for you today today he said, I will not stop. I will not stop. I, come on, who is it? Would you step out right now by faith and come to this altar? Come on, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I'll be the first one. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Maybe nobody else wants to come, but here I am, Lord. I've got something in me that I need deliverance. I need a touch. I need saved. I need grace. I need a miracle. And today is my 
my day. This is my hour. I will not leave until I get my breakthrough. Come on, who's got children? Who's got family? Who needs a breakthrough right now? I'm inviting everybody to come right now. As many as would, as many as that will, that would come and respond. God's got a work for you right now. I said, we've got the truth. We've got the answer. We've got the word. Come on, come. Come on and come. Come on and come right now in the name of Jesus. Come on and come right now. I said there's healing power in this place. There's delivering power in this place. I speak to every chain. I speak to every shackle. I speak to every yoke of bondage. Be destroyed in the name of Jesus. I curse fear. Come on, if you got depression, I curse it now. If you've got anxiety, I curse it now. By the authority of the word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus, I release you with the gift of faith. You are set free for where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom there is liberty God did not give you the spirit of fear but he gave you power he gave you love he gave you a sound mind you ought to just lift up your voice you ought to just lift up your worship there is victory Come on, right now, somebody needs a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you've got the Holy Ghost, but you're looking for a fresh touch. Lift up your hands and just say the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Somebody throw up your hands hands and just say Jesus 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 there's victory for somebody here this morning there is a breakthrough for somebody here today what if your family could hear your prayers right now what if chains could be broken by your prayers right now lift them up